He's saying, and metaphorically in a way, all creation, because he created it, should be blessing him. But, but just by really seeing them and looking like at the Grand Canyon, and the great seas that are out there and the mountains and all the beauty in God's creation, that in itself is blessing the Lord because it's a testimony to him. Good day, good day, Kingdom Corner podcast followers and devotees. The great Matt Geib is with you once again here at the Kingdom Corner podcast, and we are finishing up a series that we started last November uh, about cultivating an attitude of gratitude. I thought with the both the Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, the Advent season, that would be a good topic to cover, and we've covered it quite extensively. And what we're going to do today is we're just going to close this beautiful, beautiful series of lessons by going to what I said last time we talked about, the Thanksgiving Psalm, Psalm 103. I think it will cap off well for us this beautiful topic of cultivating an attitude of gratitude. Let me recap for you some of the things that we've covered real shortly. Uh, To find out more detail, you have to go back to November. There's a Four other episodes, we talked about uh, the five words that make up uh, what I would call the um, the tree or the root of really gratitude. You won't find the word gratitude in the Bible. Let me start off by saying that. If you went to a concordance, it's not exactly there, but there are words that are defined, that define gratitude for us and uh, that are synonymous with what gratitude would mean. Um, one, one version does use gratitude, but it's not the King James Version. If you, That's what the um, most concordances are based on. Uh, and there is one version or two versions that use gratitude. And when you look into that word and what it means in the Greek, it means, or in the Hebrew as well, it means charis. That's the Greek word, or grace. Uh, having joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness. That's what it is to have gratitude, to have those, be filled with those things, to have loveliness. Uh, Your speech is influenced with grace, with sweetness, comes from chario. That's the root word, which has to do with all those things being influenced by God. So that gives you a little bit of a um, background there when we're talking about gratitude. And then the five or six words, there's six words that we found as the tribe or the tree. Um, there are different facets of gratitude that really define it. Uh, you need to go back to the uh, prior episodes in November, December. We talked about blessing, thankfulness or thanksgiving, rejoicing, praise, honor or reverence and joy. All those six words, they're all synonymous actually with what it is to worship God. If you're doing those things, you're going to be worshiping God. You can't help but worship God. That's what we talked about uh, to to bring you up to speed. uh, But the details of all that beautiful teaching, really dissecting those six words are found in the um, past episodes, November and December. Go back and listen, would you please? Anyway, let's get right into this. Let's get into the Thanksgiving Psalm. And I think what we'll do for to start out is I just want to read it. I want to read all the verses. Uh, just open your ears, open your hearts, and we'll read this to you. And then we'll go back into it a bit and look at the individual stanzas and verses. Psalm 103.1, a Psalm of David. Praise for the mercies of the Lord, or the Lord's mercies. Many scholars call this the Thanksgiving Psalm. Thanksgiving, gratitude, they're synonymous. Uh, we talked about Thanksgiving as one of the five or six words that is of the tribe of gratitude. So I think this is a fitting way to end this series on cultivating an attitude of gratitude. So Psalm 103, uh, Psalm of David, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, 
who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are pressed, oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. That's verse 9. <laughs> I read it twice there. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Hallelujah for that. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Verse 11. As far as the east is from the rest, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities the, his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. As for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Verse 17, to keep such as keep his commandments, to such as keep his covenant, I'm sorry, to such as keep his covenant and to those who remember his commandments to do them, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Verse 22, bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Amen and amen. May God's blessing be upon the Lord. May he open our eyes and the hearts to what he would say to us today in this beautiful Thanksgiving psalm. Hallelujah. This is such a beautiful psalm, psalm of Thanksgiving. And one thing I picked up on right away, uh, actually a couple things I'll point out, and we'll talk about this for a minute or two. Bless the Lord, all my, O my soul, verse 1. And then the last verse is the same exact verse. Bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 22. But in between, when you count these bless the Lords up, there's three of them that they say exactly, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then there's four that say bless the Lord. And then they have a reason or what I would call a benefit uh, that we're made aware of why we should bless the Lord. So that's there's seven times in here. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul. And then uh, the second stanza of verse 1, bless his holy name. It's almost the same thing. Then we go down to verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul. And he's talking about don't forget his benefits. And that's what we're going to be talking about. And then we could flip over to find the rest of these bless the Lords to verse 20, bless the Lord, you his angels. See, he wants all of creation, all the angels, all those created beings to bless him as well. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts. And that's every everybody, man, beast, angels. And then uh, verse 22, bless the Lord, all his works. He's saying and metaphorically in a way, all creation, because he created it, should be blessing him. You know, uh, the Bible and especially the Psalms, Proverbs is full of poetic language like that. You know, the trees and the fields clap their hands. Do they literally? No. Will the works literally bless him? Uh, no, but, but just by really seeing them and looking like at the Grand Canyon and, and you know, the great seas that are out there and the mountains and all the beauty in God's creation, that in itself is blessing the Lord because it's a testimony to him. The Bible says that in all kinds of places, especially in Romans 1, if you read that. So bless the Lord, all his works. And then the last phrase again, like at the beginning, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Let's talk about this word bless for a minute. It's a wonderful word. Uh, it's We don't usually use that in our own language. You know, we do say God bless you sometimes to people or bless you if they sneeze, you know, but it's more out, out of the uh, 
Hebraic culture, the Jewish culture. That was a big thing with them, blessing their sons, especially the firstborn blessing. That was such an important blessing. Uh, there's such a revelation in that. Um, another teaching for another day. Uh, but when we look at this word, bless the Lord, that exact phrase is found 12 times in the Old Testament. It's not found in the New Testament, six of which are here. Or, yeah, six of which are here, and the other six are throughout the rest of the Psalms, so 12 times. It's it's used 130 times, I should say. I, I have to correct myself. 12 times in the Psalms, six times here, right? Exactly, 12 times in the Psalms. But 130 times... Um, in all the rest of the Old Testament. It's not used in the New Testament. 38 times would be um, different varieties of this bless the Lord. doesn't use the exact terms, okay? Um, and then if we took the other way of looking at it, we're talking about God, you know, it's, it's, it's really amazing. So there's 130 times in scriptures where it's talking about God, us blessing God or bless God. Whereas if you look at blessed, us being blessed by him, that's like almost 300 times you find it in the Bible. You know, and the, the interesting thing, we're, and we're kind of getting off a little bit, but it does apply. When we read the term, uh, the Hebrew and Greek word, uh, ashir is the Hebrew word for blessed or blessed. Um, I, I can't, I think markarios, I'm not maybe saying it right, is the New Testament word. The root word meaning for both those words, Hebrew and Greek, is happy. So if you're blessed by God, the end result is happiness. If you receive his blessing, isn't that wonderful? Uh, blessed is, uh, is, is the man who follows after God and keeps his commandments, Psalm 1, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. He's happy. He's fulfilled. And then it, uh, I couldn't help but think, and I turned there and read them a little bit. I thought of what we have uh, in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, I believe it is, talks about blessed are the those that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the peaceful, blessed are those that are pure in heart. That means they're all, the, the root word, happy are those that are doing those things, right? Being blessed by God brings happiness. Isn't that amazing? So in turn, the Thanksgiving Psalm. When we know we're blessed by God, we should respond with blessing and thanksgiving to him. Should it not be that way? And I was amazed when I read through this psalm and I kind of meditated upon it a little bit. We could say this is, and this is the way a lot of the psalms are constructed by the psalmist, especially David. I think he wrote 77 psalms of all the psalms. They often find uh, him expressing himself from a place of maybe uh, feeling down and out, and then to a place of joy. And that's kind of this psalm, too. It's a crescendoing psalm, like music crescendos in loudness from softness to louder, louder till great. You know, this is that psalm. He starts off kind of in a low place. Bless the Lord, O my soul. You know, he forgives my iniquities. He heals my diseases. Could be that the psalmist David is in kind of a tough place. We don't really know when he wrote this. He, he's remembering some of the struggles he went has been going through. You know, maybe affliction in the body. Um, uh, remembering, you know, he was a man after God's own heart, and yet we know he sinned with Bathsheba, right? And he sinned a couple other times. And he's still remembering God's goodness, and he's remembering to bless the Lord in those situations. But maybe starting out, he's feeling a little down and out, right? But as we go on in the psalm, it begins to crescendo as we remember more and more of God's benefits. And he's saying this. He's saying it out loud to the Father, and he's also writing it down so so we could, in the end, be blessed. And when we get to about verse, if we could go back there to verse 17 or so, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. His righteousness to children's children and those that keep his covenant. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. He rules over all. See, now he's seeing the greatness of God over all creation, over all the world, right? Bless the Lord, his angels. Bless the Lord, all these things. 
these works that, you know, that have been created, these inanimate ob objects, you know, the Grand Canyon, the mountains, the oceans, the streams, the trees, the flowers, you know, bless the Lord, all his hosts. You ministers who do his good pleasure, bless him, you know, bless the Lord, all his works. Again, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. So I call this a crescendoing psalm. You know, and that's, like I said, David and the other psalmists, especially David, wrote a lot of psalms like this. They were just sharing their heart, you know, even from the depths of despair. You can read in the psalms those kind of things, and it touches every emotion. That's why it's such a awesome book to read, an awesome book to even pray, because we've gone through a lot of those same things. But this is the Thanksgiving psalm. So let's go back and let's go through... Uh, well, let's take a break here and just put on the brakes. And I want to read you about blessing a little bit, about blessing. And this is from John D. Gar. I, I read this out of this book, Restoring the Power of Biblical Blessing. And the majority of the book is all about how we need to bless our sons, especially our daughters, our family, how in the Jewish culture that was such an, a big thing in their family you know, to the first son, the firstborn blessing and those kind of things and how they blessed each other. And it wasn't when they said, bless you to somebody or God bless you or the Lord bless you, Yahweh bless you. It wasn't some flippant phrase. They really meant it. And then they really, they had to follow through with customs of blessing. If you came to their house, uh, you they had to open their doors to you and bless you with a meal and bless you with fellowship, even if they didn't quite care for you. I remember that from Bible customs class in Bible college. But let's talk about the posture of blessing. Um, Mr. Gar, this uh, he's a Greek and Hebrew theologian. Uh, he makes the point before we can ever bless others, we have to be blessed uh, by God ourselves, right? We have to realize that. We have to have an awareness of it. So let's read from this. The posture of blessing. God is a king, but he is also father. And as father, he is intent upon reaching down to his children and showering them with his infinite blessings. God himself then has set an example of blessings. Posture by reaching down to humanity and lifting them up to him right? One can neither receive a blessing, you can't receive a blessing, nor be a blessing without first being humble and submitted either to the one who is bestowing a blessing or to the one who is being blessed. Uh, amen. We'll see that Barak, Barak, the Hebrew word, he brings it out here, and I was going to bring it out, means to kneel, means to kneel. And that's what they do a lot of times when they bless their sons or receive a blessing. They'd be in a kneeling posture. And this is talking about a, a kneeling of our heart, a, a humbling of our heart to be able to receive from God. And oh, how we miss that today. That's why men are not aware. And I talked about this last week. They're not aware of God because they do not acknowledge God. Romans 1, right? So sad. When you acknowledge God and you're thankful to him, that's a you're coming from a place of humility as one realizing you're lesser and he's the greater, right? So it means to kneel. The concept is that of kneeling before a superior, particularly God. In ancient times, petitioners would kneel before the king to demonstrate their fealty and submission and to seek favor. See, um, there's profound po poetic imagery in the use of the word baraka to describe God's relationship to man that brings grace and benediction into our human lives. Baraka paints a wonderful portrait of God in his infinite tender mercy, kneeling in order to reach down to his weak, suffering children, frail children, and to lavish his own loving kindness upon them. <coughs> Let's move on. God himself then has set the example of blessings posture by reaching down to humanity and lifting them up. Neither, neither I'm sorry, uh, I'm reading this again, neither can one receive a blessing nor be a blessing without first being humble and submitted either to the one who is bestowing a blessing or to the one being blessed. Amen. And I'm, I'm reminded of that scripture that says, submit one to another in the New Testament. And that's, you know, 
we want to bless others and give to others. But another thing we want to always do is have an open heart to receive a blessing from our brothers and sisters, right? That's what God would intend. And that takes humility sometimes, does it not? The bent knee is the root of blessing. Humility and submission are the beginning point for blessing God and man. I want to read that again. Humility and submission are the beginning point for blessing God and man. Oh, that's powerful, especially with what's we see so many things so opposite of that going on in our nation, in our world today. You know, if men would just acknowledge the creator God, that's the foundation of it all. If they just bowed down and gave him, uh, you know, gave him honor and gave him blessing. Oh, would that not answer a lot of problems and a lot of questions? Wouldn't it all start there? I'm getting off here. The attitude of grace and blessing. The action of gratitude manifests in continually blessing God and returning the grace that he has given to its source. This is fundamental to the attitude of blessing. Both James and Peter, two of the earliest church's most prominent leaders, affirmed that God gives grace to the humble. Oh, if you want grace today, if you want his favor today, humble yourself and acknowledge him and bless his name. Amen? While he resists the proud, the word for humble in Greek, he resists the proud. Wow. And the opposite here is the humble word in Greek is tapon, taponius, taponius, which means not rising from the ground. Is It is symbolic of the attitude of complete submission to God's will. You know, it's wonderful sometimes when we're in our private prayer time to just lay down before God. Kneel and then just lay down on your face, you know. Because you're putting your body in that place that your heart is at, right? In biblical times, the word worship also indicated prostration and his divine presence. Both the Hebrew word shakah and the Greek word prokoseno or prokoneo mean to prostate oneself. Mm. With the Greek even offering the metaphor of a dog licking its master's hand. And my, my dog knows that a lot. My, my little dog Riley and I were such great pals. And he'll come and uh, he's not, uh, I wish he was more that way. He he doesn't want to be hugged and held a lot, but he does like to come and sit by me sometimes on the couch and just lick my hand, right? You know, Greek even offering the metaphor of a dog licking its master's hand. Humility then is essential to worship. The word Barak especially conforms that the posture of blessing is manifest, manifested and genflication, that is kneeling in humility, worship, and adoration to the divine. When one blesses or baraks God through worship, through shakal, he is the recipient of God's grace, of God's cherish. We talked about that word grateful is, is derived from cherish. I want to read that again. When one blesses God through worship, shak, he is the recipient of God's grace. Oh, hallelujah. If you're blessing God today, his grace in, in humility of heart, in pureness of heart, in reality, in, in authenticity. If you're doing that, you will be showered with his grace. You will be the recipient of grace. However, when one is arrogant and self-sufficient, he's rejected and resisted by God. Right? That's what it says in, in the epistles. You know, he resists the proud. Solomon noted that a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Mm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. Jesus observed that whoever shall humble himself as a little child, the same shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. James therefore exhorted the believers, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. God shields the humble with his grace and lifts up their heads. Mm. The bent knee physically manifests a posture of submission. One of the most important qualities that a believer can manifest. Submission to God is foundational to receiving spiritual blessing. It is an acknowledgement that one is subservient to God's will. It is apropos for James to exhort, submit yourselves then to God. Come near to God and he will come near to you. If you're submitting to God, you're bowing down to him. Maybe on your floor, literally, or maybe in your heart. 
but then he comes near to you because he is so touched by by his creation when they bow themselves before him, when they acknowledge him as Lord of Lords, creator of all, right? King of Kings. Submission does not end with the knee bowed to God. Believer, believers are exhorted then to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wow. When believers are truly subject to one another, and this is the real premise of this book, bless you, uh, blessing one another with God's benediction is truly efficacious. The one who is bestowing the blessing, the one who's receiving it, must be submitted mutually in order for God's blessing and gift to flow between them. Mm. Mm. Uh, the Hebrew word gimel is a, also the symbol of a camel bowing down, right? And that's the picture that's given here in the Old Testament blessing, that camel would come and bow down with all its goods, its water, and its food for another individual, right? Uh, it was submitting. And, and believe me, camels can be pretty stubborn animals. It's a graphic description for us of blessing. Mm. Amen? Amen. Let's see what else we have. Mm. Wow. It takes vulnerability to bless God. It takes vulnerability and authenticity to receive a blessing from God, to submit one to another, to confess your faults one to another. That one must, uh, it has rightly been said, he's, he's going on here, that one must bleed before he can bless. It is only when one is willing to pour out his life in service to others that he has potential to bring God's blessing and grace into their lives. Self-sufficiency fuels a spirit of pride, which both God and others will resist. Humility and submission, hallelujah, they go hand in hand. Draw both God and others to the side of the one who has a need. It is no wonder then that the posture of blessing is the bent knee. Genuflection places one in the posture to be blessed. What a beautiful chapter in Bless You, Restoring the Power of Biblical Blessing by John D. Garr. I was just reading the first chapter there about you know, blessing others is all predicated on us first blessing God. So we've, we've talked, we've begun to talk about the Thanksgiving Psalm, the crescendoing Psalm from uh, not maybe feeling so good with our sin or maybe uh, a, a place in our lives where we're in need of healing and hasn't quite been healed. And in the end, he, he, he realizes that God is over all the universe. You know, that's the way these Psalms are written. Let's begin then, and uh, let's see how far we can go today. I, this introduction has been quite long, but I think it's been good to know that um, we need to bless God. He says it six times here, bless the Lord, O my soul. And how did David say it? Um, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And, you know, I read in this book, and we talk about the Jewish culture they had like a 130 things that they had written out that gave them different cues throughout the day to bless God. Of course, we know that that became very rote, very religious, uh, with no real authenticity behind it. It became dead religion. We don't want to ever become that way. But at first, they were that way. They were careful to always be blessing God. Let's let's go ahead and take the first stanza here and see what we can do. Psalm 103.1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things, hallelujah, so that your soul is renewed like the eagles. Wow, let's take those five verses and break them down a little bit. <clears throat> bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, bless his name. Let's look at that phrase a little bit. Let's give you some parallel scriptures. Psalm 20 or Psalm 57, 7. Psalm 57, 7 says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. Hallelujah. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, and we brought this out before, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. The will of God is to give thanks in everything. And we talked about, I made the, I made the qualification. If, if something bad happened with, to somebody in your family, they, they uh, got in a car accident and they were really maimed or they, they passed on, we wouldn't thank God for that exact happening, but we would thank God through the happening. We would thank God through um, that trial. And I have friends, this is uh, coming up on the 1st of February, who lost a son. I think it's three years ago now on February 1. Uh, and um, they've had to go through that trial, you know, and they've learned how to bless God through and in that trial. You know, that's something they'll never forget, right? <clears throat> Bless Barak to bend the knee with a showing of extravagant love. Barak is a Hebrew word at, or adoration to bend the knee with extravagant love or adoration from an inferior being. That's us to a superior being. Mark 1230. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Hallelujah. So this is the first phrase, bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's look at another cross-reference. Psalm 145, 1 to 3. I will bless you, O my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Hallelujah. A uh, suggestion here for for devotions, for prayer time, to liven it up a little bit. Go through some of these psalms and just pray them. I will extol you, my God. I will bless you or bless the Lord, O my soul. Or like David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not some of the time, not when everything's just going peachy keen or perfect for me, but all times. I will bless you, Lord. Okay, let's look at the contrast to bless the Lord, O my soul. We talked about this last week, I believe. I know I mentioned this scripture. It's sad. 2 Timothy 3, 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 2. But know this, that in the last days, perilous, or the Greek way of saying it is, fierce times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unthankful, ungrateful, unholy. Oh, oh, that's the whole. That, in a nutshell, is the problem today. Men are not thankful. They're not thankful to others, and, and the basis of that is being thankful to God. They're not thankful to God. Romans 1 talks all about that, how they just decided to dismiss God out of their whole life and out of their whole conscience. You can't really be thankful, authentically thankful, without having a realization of a greater God, a greater power, the God Almighty of heaven. Luke 17, 15, we talked about this last time too. The one leper returned when he knew he was healed and with a loud voice, he glorified God. All right, Psalm 103, 2, forget not his benefits. And that's why this, this is a reminder, a, a cultivating an attitude of gratitude. I'm, I'm going to give you some reminders. So, you know, we should just thank him for being who he is, God. But we need to specifically know some of these things that he's done for us. You know, when you buy a new car, you buy a house, you want to know or buy some piece of furniture or some uh, kitchen aid, you want to know the benefits of it. How does that blender make you that drink faster in the morning than you having to mix it up by hand? You know, how about that new car with the heated seats? Or now it's not such a big deal, but you can set the speed on it and it'll just... Uh, Go automatically at that speed, you know, benefits. Forget not his benefits. Psalm 106, 7. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercy, but they rebelled by the sea. Oh, how we remember! We need to remember his benefits. Benefits is gemul, gemul, G-E-M-U-L, gemul. It means recompense, rewards. And he rewards us as his children. He rewards us. As those that aren't his children as well, there's there's evil benefits, you could say. It, it's, this word means either way. Uh, Genesis 15, 1, he said to Abraham, I am your great 
reward. I'm your great benefit, Abraham. Psalm 58, 11, there is a reward for the righteous. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law, he meditates day and night. Blessed, happy is that man. You know, that's a reward for the righteous, is it not? Matthew 6, 6, he re, he, they were rewarded openly by the heavenly father. You know, Psalm 68, 19, he loadeth, he piles on burdens us with the benefits, just like when we used to go to grandma and grandpa's house. That's the way grandparents are, you know, with their adult children. They, oh, I've got this soup for you. Oh, I've got this bread for you that I made. Oh, I've got this uh, coat that I made for you, you, grandson. I've got this blanket that I've quilted for you. They just don't stop giving, do they? They always want to give their children something, right? That's the way God is. Psalm 105.5, remember his marvelous works, which he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Oh, there's so many benefits to serving the Lord. Just open the Bible and read, you know, we're going to read about some of them as we go on. Some of Abba's benefits are enumerated here. And we're going to go verses 3 to 5 now in Psalm 103, 3 to 5. Who forgives all your iniquities? That's one benefit. He's forgiven all of your sins, right? He heals all your diseases. In the new covenant, in the covenant of God, even the old covenant, healing was possible, was it not? Who redeems your life from destruction? Oh, what a, we have many people I know in our community that could testify that. I remember a number of times that God redeemed me from destruction. I was stung by a hive of hornets. They lost my heartbeat when I was uh, 17, and God brought me back to life. I was in another place, and I know other people that were, uh, where they, they, they would have met another car head on, and it's like, that car disappeared. or that, I heard one say, one, one friend of mine say, it's like we drove right through that car and nothing happened to us. <laughs> he saved them from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? That's the nature of our God, is it not? Mm. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. That's verse five. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Mm. When you're declaring the promises of God, when you're declaring the good things of God, there's a renewal that takes place in your spirit and even your body. I know that to be true. You know, I've talked about in these lessons, I've talked about what language are you applying in your life today? What are, language are you enacting? The uh, language of the saints that died in the wilderness that didn't make it to the promised land? Grumbling, complaining, doubting, fearing, you know? <laughs> That's where a lot of people are today. Even with, you know, I, I don't I don't disagree that there's, some crazy things going on. But we can look at that and we can grumble and complain about it. Uh, it's not going to change. We, uh, uh, But if we begin to enact the language of heaven, like I talked about those words, blessing, thanksgiving, rejoicing, praise, honor, reverence, taking joy in God. Maybe the circumstances will change. Maybe they won't. Sometimes God changes them. He, uh, those two disciples, Peter and John, he took them out of prison. He defeated that great army, uh, you know, by putting the worshipers out in front. You can read about that, I think, in First Chronicles 20, 2 Chronicles 20. You know, sometimes he does those things, sometimes he doesn't. But the Hebrew children, they even said, you know, go ahead, throw us into the fire. And if our God delivers us, he delivers us. If he doesn't, we'll still worship him, told the king of Babylon that, right? But he, he, he'll satisfy your mouth with the good things so that your youth can be renewed like the eagles. Oh, that's what I'm wanting. You know, I'm in the fourth quarter, as they say. I'm a senior citizen. But so many times by really uh, just meditating on the word and then declaring it out of my mouth, you know, the word of God is nigh thee or near you and in your mouth. He renews me. You know, it's not some formula. It's not some, you know, I'm not saying a bunch of things, you know, like maybe some new age people. It's the word of God, the life giving, age abiding, eternal word of God that brings life. Speak life, speak life over yourself, speak life over your family, speak these benefits that God talks about over your family, the healing of, of diseases, forgiveness of sin, keeping you protected from Psalm 91. You could also read from destruction for this one. He, he He's bringing you loving kindness and mercy. If you bow before him and acknowledge him and bless him, that's what's going to happen. 
He satisfies your mouth with good things. Ooh, as your blessing is as you're using your mouth, right? Mm, iniquities mean perversions or punishments. We're talking about he forgives our perversions. He forgives those punishments, right? Well, let's look at the next stanza. Psalm 103, 9 to 12. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has dealt with us according to our sin. He has not, I'm sorry, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Hallelujah. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed the transgressions from us. Wow. Verse 12, that's an answer to um, uh, the Psalm 103.3. He forgives all our iniquities. That's that's further a further description of that. He removes our sins like the east is from the rest. Transgression means rebellion, willful sin, right? You know, he removes that from us. He takes that out of our heart when we bow before him, right? When we bless him. It could mean authorities. It could mean a revolt. Let's look at forgiveth. Forgiveth. Look, let's look. He forgives us. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 7 as a cross-reference. In whom we have redemption. That is Jesus Christ. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Hallelujah, hallelujah, according to the riches of his grace. Hallelujah. He redeems you from destruction. He forgives your, your sin, right? Oh, let's go on. Psalm 103, 9 to 12. We just did that. Um, the next one we want to look at is who healeth all thy diseases. He heals all your diseases. Healing is in the new covenant. We could do a whole study on that. We could do a series of lessons on healing. That God provides. Psalm 147 3. He heals the broken in heart and binds up their wounds. Hallelujah. He heals not only the body, but the heart. And a lot of things that are in our heart bitterness, unforgiveness, different things that trouble us, depression actually sometimes the cause of the body on the outside being sick, right? Uh, there was a book written on that years ago. You know, I, I used to have it. Uh, about how those things so relate, you know, the body, how, how your physical health is so related to the health of your heart, of your soul. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. We're talking about Jesus. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Hallelujah. And with his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. James five fifteen, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, they will be forgiven. Who redeems thy life from destruction? See, we're looking a little more detail at, at these benefits. He redeems your life from destruction. Does he not? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm going into these individually with some more detail. He's, this speaks of the kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament. Um, to redeem the nearest blood relative alive. They had to redeem back the inheritance or buy back from slavery. Jesus was a kinsman redeemer. You can read all about a metaphoric lesson of that in Ruth, right? The kinsman redeemer. Jesus is our, uh, our kinsman redeemer. He gave up his inheritance for us. Psalm 34, 22. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Revelation 5, 9, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Hallelujah. Who crowns thee with love and tender mercies. He crowns you with love and tender mercies. That's a phrase here I want to just touch on. Being crowned with... Um, with loving kindness and tender mercies. Psalm 103, 3 to 5. We're looking at those. You know, uh, I kind of uh, had read some other verses, but I'm breaking these individual uh, Psalm 10, uh, what is it? Psalm 103, 3 to 5. I'm breaking down these phrases. He crowns you with love and tender mercies. Crown speaks of your position. Hmm. Psalm 21.3, thou settest a crown of pure gold upon his head. And that was Jesus, but it's also us who reign and rule with him, who are joint heirs. 
James 1.12, endure temptation, you will receive a crown. 1 Peter 5.4, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that doesn't fade away. Hallelujah. This speaks prophetically of the beauty lost in Adam, but it's being restored to the church and the saints. The next phrase, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, and thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Satisfy, to fill to the full, be fulfilled, be satiated, like when you've eaten a good meal, you know, to have an excess, to have an abundance. <clears throat> Excuse me. Isaiah 58, 11, cross-reference. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your need in a sun-scorched land. Maybe you're going through a dry time, but he's going to satisfy you still. And he'll strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Remember that scripture, you know, you know, the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, he stood on that last great day of the feast and he said, you know, I have some water for you that, that are going to be like living waters coming out of you. Not little streams or little cricks, but living waters gushing out of you. That's what he wants. Be well watered. John seven thirty seven. that's the verse I'm referring to. Rivers of living water will flow from us. And then Isaiah 40, 31, we soar with the eagles. Hmm. Let's go on. We'll read verses six, verse six, seven, and eight. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is gracious and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Psalm 103, six, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all oppressed. Um, let's look at Acts 2, 1038 for a cross-reference. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. See, he wants to heal everyone from that. For God was with him. Psalm 103, 7 talks about the ways of God versus the acts. All right? And you can read about that in Matthew and in Corinthians. Matthew seven twenty two to 23 and 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. Matthew 7, 22 to 23, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3. Psalm 103, 8. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, right? Slow to anger, abounding in love. And see, I have all these cross references here. Let's just read Exodus 34, 6. And the Lord passed by him. And proclaim, this is Moses. Moses wanted to see the goodness or greatness of God. The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious. And the Lord passed by and before him. See, so he hit him by a rock. He said, if I show you my total goodness and gracious, you'll blow up. I can't, it's too much. The Lord passed by him before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Hmm. Romans 5, 20 and 21, grace abounds to us. That's what it says. Let's see what else we got through this psalm that we could touch on. Mm. He will not always strive, verse 9, with us, nor keep his anger forever. He has not will, dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Wow, isn't that wonderful? He, he's, he's removed our sin. Psalm 30, verse 5, for his anger endures but for a moment. In his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Hallelujah. Lamentations 3.22. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. He loves us so much. We deserve punishment. We deserve death. We deserve these things for our sin. And yet because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because he's been our mediator, because he offered his life for ours on the cross, and he arose from the grave. We can now be sons in his image, right? Verse 11, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Psalm 89.9, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. <clears throat> Let's go on. <clears throat> Psalm 103.17, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto the children's children, 
Luke 1.50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. <laughs> Excuse me, Micah 7.18-19, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, passing over transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He does not retain his anger forever, because he delights in mercy. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast out all our sin into the depths of the sea. All right, let's, we got to wind this down here. Verses 13 to 14, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, hallelujah. He remembers that we are dust. Pities here speaks of the great intimacy that he has with us and wants to have, you know, that that is available to us, that intimate relationship, that tender relationship where he'll come beside you and love you. Um, I, I wrote down, I think it, on a post, I wrote down that um, God wants to come into those deepest recesses and areas of your heart that make you cringe the most, whatever they are, you know, and he wants to hug you the tightest there. He want you know. I think this. What we're learning in this lesson today that um, blessing the Lord, being blessed to the Lord, is all about humility and vulnerability. It's all about coming down and and falling on our face and our knees before Him in submission. That's what it's all about. Oh, hallelujah! Psalm seventy-eight thirty-nine. For He remembered that they were but flesh. Mm a wind that passes away and comes not again. That's what it means. That's what that word frail is like dust. It's, you know, real delicate, you know. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Psalm 40, verse 8. You know, we're talking about, um, as for man, his days are like grass, verse 15. And that's that's a cross-reference. Let's go on. There's so much here to finish up. For the Lord God is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures forever for all generations. Psalm 118.1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. He is good because his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. For all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. So we're reading about the covenant of God, right? His commandments are his covenant. Verse 18 talks about keep his, those that keep his covenant. Uh, and so I read that verse there. Covenant keepers are a peculiar treasure. Uh, Exodus 19.5. Let's read this one. Hebrews 8.10-12. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. Mm. That's the covenant he's making to put it in our hearts, to put it in our minds, right? It's in the book of God here that I'm, I have, but it's also written indelibly on our hearts, right? And in our minds, and write them in our hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. See, they didn't have that in the Old Testament, I don't think, because they didn't have the Spirit like we do. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins. And their lawless deeds I will remember no more. And then verse 19, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. He, um, wow, we've read that. Um, let's look at these closing scriptures then. 2 Peter 2.9, we read this before. For you are a chosen generation, a chosen genus, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own peculiar or special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We've read this one before too. This is a great verse to finish with. Maybe we'll finish with Psalm 103 and just touch these verses again a few of them but this one with these verses hebrews 13 15 thereby let us continually how often continually offer the sacrifice of praise to god what what kind of praise keep it to ourselves no the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name 
cultivating an attitude of gratitude. We've just gone through kind of in a quick way, the Thanksgiving Psalm. You need to read it again. Let's read these verses that I talked about in the beginning. I spent about a half hour on blessing God and being blessed. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not his benefits, who forgives all your diseases and heals all your dis- uh, forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Verses 1 to 3. Let's jump down then. Verse 20. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who he- who excel in strength, who do his word, who-, who heed the voice of his word. Verse 21. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, you who do his pleasure. That's verse 21. Verse 22. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of dominion. Bless the Lord, <clears throat> O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He has done great things. He has done great things. He has done great things. Bless his holy name. Father, we bless you. We thank you. We pour our hearts out before you. We know the key to blessing you is acknowledging you in humility, bowing down in our hearts, but bowing down also on our knees and just prostrate before you. That will bring your blessing. That will bring your grace, it says. Oh, Lord, you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Lord, let us be humble. As we've studied these great words of gratitude, blessing, thanksgiving, rejoicing, praise, honor, reverence, which are all worship. May our lives be full of those things every day. May our mouths, as David said, continually praise you. May your praise continually be in our mouths. Lord, go with each one today. Lord, let them uh, just that hear these words today, tomorrow, in the future. May they be blessed. Oh, may these words, like we just read about, just be indelibly written on their hearts and in their minds. Oh, God, that we would be a thankful people, that we would always be grateful. Oh, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. I want to remind you, I want to remind you, haven't done it lately. We're starting Ephesians and Epistle Coaching. Ephesians and Epistle Coaching. The 5th of March looks to be the date. I'll give you more details on that. Ephesians coaching uh, at, at, at uh, you can get a hold of me at, at my Facebook site. You can get a hold of me. I believe uh, we can put down the uh, my email. You can get a hold of me there. Uh, I'll, be bring, I'll be talking more about this in the future. Ephesians coaching. Um, and and uh, maybe the next time together, I'll give a little more detail about what that exactly encompasses and entails. Thank you so much. Uh, we've got some wonderful, wonderful guests coming up uh, for next month, February. Wonderful lady who's going to uh, give us some insight on the seven spirits of God. We've got a wonderful man of God who's going to be talking about being delivered and set free from the chains of the enemy, from the demon, demonic activity that maybe is uh, trying to harass you, uh, trying to get in your way. Uh, So please, please come back to the Kingdom Corner uh, and be blessed. Have a blessed, blessed week.